that's the worst thing that goes wrong. The stage had a wardrobe malfunction. At least it didn't catch fire. We had a couple of those almost happen. Remember that? Ah, it's always the goodness of God. It's, uh, that's a good illustration. Uh, lots of stuff in life is happening and trying to take your attention away from what matters. <laughs> and it's a never-ending flow. So your real battle is right here to stay focused on the things that matter even when things go a little bit sideways. I mean, that is, that's the struggle. I struggle with that every day. Just squirrel. Problem. Car light. Like that's, that's just the way we live and it, it takes a lot of practice to stay focused. Stay focused. King's Kids, if you're in second grade on down and you'd like to go with Miss Jerrica today, she's ready. They're bringing their own snacks, I see. Yeah, did you bring, is Carter going to let everybody have a lick on that sucker? Hey, once they go out that door, I'm not in charge anymore. <laughs> the chin strap. <laughs> oh. All right, open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 2. We are doing an entire chapter today. For that, I had to bring in the, the big guns. So I had to had to recruit somebody to read, come on, that, that's your third cue, who couldn't say no. I didn't feel like abusing anybody else, but because I know she'll love me even though. So Proverbs chapter 2, that is some really small print. Look at me, now you're wearing glasses. <sighs> so follow along, Proverbs chapter 2, begin. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain their paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Thank you. In your bulletin, if you want to follow along, <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 2.
Have you learned yet that life under the sun is rough? We are trapped with sin. We will always suffer in one way, shape, or form, and death is always looming. All of us will face many different difficult situations and difficult decisions. Many of our decisions, they seem light and momentary. Proverbs is going to teach us they're not. We will also have a lot of decisions that are life or death. But Solomon's going to show us that even the small decisions can lead to life or death. And we don't even realize it. In Proverbs, we are being warned to choose wisely. The first several chapters of Proverbs are fatherly lectures. Before we get to chapter 10, where you actually have what we traditionally consider the the Proverbs, the little two-liners, the real poetry. But before you get there, you have all of these lectures. It's phrased as from a father to his son. And he's warning us about decisions. We all have decisions to make. Some of you, your decisions about a relationship is a life and death decision. I have seen it before. I have seen Christians marry non-Christians and never be seen again. Some of you, uh, buying a house becomes a life or death decision. I've also seen people buy way too much house, take on way too much mortgage, and then it turns into I have to work more, and then it turns into I have to work overtime, and then it turns into I'm going to take a better paying job, but it's farther away. And it's more and more time away from your family and you kill your family. I've seen child rearing decisions become life or death decisions. I've seen hobbies become life or death decisions. I've seen eating disorders become life or death decisions. So many day-to-day decisions that we make are huge. But usually the way we react to the huge decisions is the same way we react to all the little decisions leading up to that one. They're all life or death decisions. Who you listen to, who you hang out with, is who you become. We ended on that last week. You become who you hang out with. There's only one Messiah and his name is Jesus, not you. You cannot save people. You can't. Proverbs says, save yourself by connecting with God. Then God might use you to lead other people to him. But but if he doesn't have your heart, you're dead. Or at least you're living like it. And the Bible has a lot of phrases for that. False converts, false conversions, false believers, wolves in sheep's clothing, backsliders, reprobates, apostates. Why does the Bible have to talk so harshly about people who say they believe but don't live like it? 
Because you can go a long time in life saying you believe, but miss God. But I've done all these things right. Lord, Lord, did I not do all these miracles in your name? What does Jesus have to say? I never knew you. Jesus doesn't make it about relationships, home purchases. Jesus doesn't make it about hobbies and eating disorders. Jesus makes it about him. He has a knack for that. As if that's true. As if that's what matters the most. What matters the most is your personal relationship and communion with God. Proverbs is teaching that. All of our decisions are very big life and death decisions. It gets really brutal in the book of Ecclesiastes. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 for just a minute. I want to show you something. A little parallel passage to Proverbs 2. Now Ecclesiastes chapter 12 famously, Ecclesiastes is right after Proverbs. So if you're already in Proverbs, just turn to the next book. Ecclesiastes 2. Now Ecclesiastes 12 ends famously by saying, fear God and keep his commandments. At which point you might be tempted to turn back to Proverbs, be like, what are those commandments? You didn't turn far enough. Remember, there aren't commands in Proverbs. This is not a book of laws. This is a book of guidelines. This is a book of observations. This is a book that's painting a big picture, not the details. It doesn't quote the law. It doesn't bring up the Ten Commandments, but it's there. It's, it's underlying, the, love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the ideals that are bleeding through all of the Proverbs. Proverbs, largely the sayings of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, tied to Solomon. Look at Ecclesiastes 2, 18 and 19. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man or son who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. I think Proverbs was written earlier in Solomon's life and then Ecclesiastes takes on the persona of Solomon later in his life. Proverbs, son, follow the path of wisdom and righteousness. Ecclesiastes, I don't know if this kid's got it. But I'm leaving it to him anyway. And who knows whether my son or daughter will be wise or a fool. Yet, it doesn't matter. If, the, if my son chooses wisdom or not, he will be master of all for which I've toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This is a vapor and a breath and vanity. It's the dark side. <laughs> it's a little pessimistic, but it's real. And I assure you, the realism of Ecclesiastes is in Proverbs. We're going to read some of that. We just read some of the, the realness of giving your heart to evil men or following the adulterous woman. My title for the sermon is All In. I want it to be a question mark, but it's not a question mark for some of you. Some of you are all in. It could be an exclamation point. But for some of you, it is a question mark because we don't know. You don't know. You haven't wrestled with God long enough to get up limping. 
to let him touch you in a way that changes you for the rest of your life and you don't walk away the same. Proverbs is asking you to wrestle with God, wrestle with his wisdom, wrestle with your own heart and choose. Are you or are you not all in? Fill in this next blank. We all hear voices. Can I get an amen? amen. Something is speaking to you. Proverbs is challenging us to follow the right voice. Because <laughs> there are a lot of voices. Part of repenting is confessing that what you listen to is wrong most of the time. That's, you have to acknowledge that. You have to agree, yeah, God, you're right. I am wrong. Those voices are wrong. That wisdom was wrong. That was of the world. That was of the flesh. That was of the devil. It's a lie. It's wrong. That's part of confession and repenting. You have to acknowledge you're wrong so you know what you're turning away from in order to turn what is right. Christianity is not just sitting there doing the same thing wrong over and over and go, well, yeah, God is right. You're right. And you keep plowing on. That, that's not the right picture of Jesus in your life transforming you. Neither is walking backwards. Well, I still love those things. I'm coming. Repentance is the idea of confessing this is wrong. I am wrong. I am dead. Or at least if I keep going that way, I'm dead. And I want life to the full, to the abundance, living waters. That's repentance. Proverbs is asking you, which way are you going? Who are you going to listen to? Wisdom, voice of wisdom, lady wisdom, God's voice, or the world? There are a lot of voices to listen to. And this chunk, this whole chapter today, I've divided it up into two, two sections. And the first section is verses 1 through 10. And I see here that Proverbs is asking us to make a whole life decision. And it's painting what I call uh, a big picture. It's using big picture language. Treasure up my commandments. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your ear to understanding, insight, understanding. Search for it like hidden treasure. Verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. You'll find knowledge. Wisdom, understanding, knowledge, insight, all of these very general descriptions of who God is without a lot of details. That's, that's big picture language. He's inviting us into a, a, a huge mural of our lives without giving us all the details. Because honestly, you don't need the details. The details are going to be different for each and every person's life. The devil is in the details. You heard that before? Show the next picture. It's kind of grainy. This is a depiction of hell. On the ceiling of a baptistry <laughs> in Florence, Italy. Can you imagine getting baptized? 
what what was I think Dante was baptized there this was this was painted 100 200 years before Dante wrote <laughs> the inferno like that's a good depiction of a weird way of picturing hell but that's that's rough the devil's in the details uh, so what what should my life look like next picture Roy In the details of your life, the only thing that should stand out is the Lord. Everything else is a blur. It's temporary. It's fleeting. Oh, this over here, this is where I went to Bible college. Oh, that up there, that's, that's, that's my career. Oh, down there, that big part, that's, that's my family. Oh, see over there, that's my hopes and my dreams. You're like, uh, what is it? The most important thing that should come out of the mural of my life and the big picture of my life is trusting the Lord. How much time do we spend blurring the wrong thing and putting the details into the wrong things? Proverbs is trying to warn us, warn us, caution us, if you focus on the wrong details, you will end up with the wrong mural. You can spend a lot of time, lots of details, and it'd be the devil. Or you can focus on one clear thing coming through, resounding in your life. What is your, let me just ask you, what is your eye drawn to in that? What do you focus on? What, there's only one thing to focus on. That's the point. That's Jesus' life. We spend a lot of time focusing on the ways he did things and the details, but the resounding testimony of the most perfect God-man to ever walk this earth, that he trusted in the Lord, even with his final breath. Father, forgive them. How could he do that? Because he wasn't focused on them. He's focused on God and God's glory. God, I want you to forgive them because that'll make your name even greater. Forgive them. Show grace, even though they aren't showing grace. It's trusting in the Lord. So I see verses 1 through 10 painting that picture. Verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. We're going to get the details later. Out of his mouth come knowledge and understanding. We'll talk about those in detail in another chapter. He stores up sound wisdom. He's a shield guarding the paths of justice, watching over the way of his saints. Verse 9, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. For wisdom will come into your, say it, heart. He's not out to educate you. He's out to convert you, to transform you. He wants you to be all in on this Jesus thing. Well, he doesn't have Jesus. His hope is in the coming Messiah, who's the son of David, who's in his family line, who's going to fulfill the promises to David, fulfill the promises to Abraham. It's Jesus. His hope is in the same thing my hope is in. He's looking forward. I'm looking backward. He's telling us to trust Christ. 
to put your hope in God and God's wisdom. The Christ, the coming one, is the culmination and the peak of all of God's wisdom delivered to the Israelites. We have the same hope. This book applies to me. If you want to get fancy with it, every time the word wisdom, knowledge, and understanding come up, just replace it with Jesus. Verse 9, then you will understand Jesus and Jesus and Jesus and Jesus for Jesus will come into your heart. Now, thankfully, he's a little more poetic than that. And he's, he's using a lot of different words, a lot of different imagery, a lot of different symbols to tell us basically that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He's, now, you know, spoiler alert, he's going to come out and say that in Proverbs 3. <laughs> big idea. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. So this is big picture language. Verses 1 through 4, wisdom is shown to be a pursuit. Write that down. Treasure it. Be attentive to it. Incline or lean your heart towards it. Call out for it. Raise your voice. Seek it like silver. You want wisdom? You're going to have to make an effort. Pursue it. Pursue it. Next slide. Wisdom is a pursuit. Wisdom is a pursuit. What? Did I skip one? Come on, man. What's my problem? Wisdom is a pursuit. Write that down. We'll get to it. Wisdom is a pursuit and wisdom is a gift. Wisdom is a pursuit. Wisdom is a gift. And see the big picture. Write down fear of the Lord. Ah, oh, you went ahead of me. That's what happened. Rookie mistake. Back it up, man. I see where you went. Again. Again. Well, I must have really botched it up good this week. Is there not a slide there for see the big picture for you of the Lord? Did I just... No? Sorry, man. I inserted the wrong slideshow. We're just going to press on. Uh, even when you take the time to prepare and do things in this broken world with a broken heart and a broken mind, it falls apart. You can put... It, does, it just happens. It, right? Doesn't it? it, it just The best, best of intentions out the window. So we're just going to wing it. So fear the Lord. What other blanks are we missing? Did I even put the right thing in the bulletin? Right? We got big picture language. Wisdom is a pursuit. Wisdom is a gift. Six through seven. Wisdom is a gift. And, and it seems, those seem like opposites. Like how can wisdom be something I pursue, but wisdom is also a gift? Like it, that, that's how it's said to be here. Pursue it, chase after it. But then in verse six, it says the Lord gives wisdom so even no matter how hard you pursue it you're only ever going to reach it when God gives it to you that's how it works God wants to see you put forth some effort I, I didn't have very many chores growing up because I was terrible at them and also my parents weren't good at enforcing the rules because they weren't there I was a latchkey kid you just it, it just didn't work really well but and I tried it with my kids and just get to the point where you just hand them money after a while because they're just, they're doing well in school, like get off their back. We've got to give them some chores to do, right? Inevitably, when you see your kids doing something right, 
Does it ever just, do you ever just want to like give them everything even though they failed? You know, I, I got this image of my son when he was, back when he was like three feet tall, trying to push the lawnmower. And I'm telling you, the handle for the lawnmower was above his head. And he was on his tippy toes. And he was pushing through the grass. And it's like, you know, he left mohawks. He's, he's hitting things. He's not picking up. It's just, it's, it's a mess. I had to re-mow it, right? But he was trying with all of his might and you want to reward them for that, right? Your heavenly father, he sees when you're seeking him, pursuing him, and you could never actually earn or accomplish the wisdom and attain the wisdom he wants you to have, but because he sees you trying, his heavenly father heart just opens the floodgates and he blesses you with wisdom. It is a pursuit, that's your part, but it is also a gift, and that is his part, and it it comes, that's how it works. They're not contradictory, they're complementary. They go together. So that's verses one through 10, the big picture language. And it shifts, and about verse 11, you can overlap it a little bit, but verse 11 says, discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you, and then here's where the shift, delivering you from the way of evil. It's all been like wholesome, good feeling stuff to this point. Now we're talking about the way of evil, like, uh oh, from men of perverted speech. In this section, uh, we see in verses 11 through 22 that this is a life or death decision. We've got that one. In my mind, I always drop down to verse 16. That just stood out to me. You need to be delivered from the forbidden woman. It's all her fault. From the adulteress. Watch out for her. She's all bad news. Back that up, bros. Back that up. This is not a lecture against bad women. Because before that, verse 12, men of perverted speech who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Verse 15, men whose paths are crooked. God, God is fair. <laughs> Men come first. Man will drag you down. Can women drag you down? Yes. So uh, the next blank, both evil men and evil women can destroy you. Don't over-focus on whichever one is your problem. They're all a problem. It's talking about humans. All humans are a danger to you. Some of them are going to do it with perverted speech, paths of up. Uh, of wickedness, ways of darkness, whose paths are crooked, who are devious in their ways. But if you follow wisdom, verse 16, there's hope. You can be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. Her house sinks down to death. We've got ways of darkness for the men sinking down to death for evil women, and they're the same. Evil men and evil women can both be adulterous, can both be perverse in their paths of darkness. So this is, this is strong warning here. 
You see how there are different voices to listen to in this world? God's voice and everybody else. And I also need to remind you, it's not you against the world. Now, the most dangerous voice you could ever listen to is your own voice. That's the lust in your own heart. The things you want that you say are good, but you're not waiting for God to give them to you. You're chasing after them with all of your strength, all of your mind, all of your plans. That is a dangerous way to live. Proverbs is going to speak against that. You're only tempted when you're led astray by the own desires of your heart. You can't turn your finger and say, those evil men made me do it. That evil woman made me do it. She wrecked my life. He wrecked my life. No, you wrecked your own life by choosing to listen to those other voices. You have to own up to it. That's another huge part of repentance is admitting I'm the problem here. I'm the problem here. I'm the problem here. And stop blaming everybody else. You can't make other people repent. You can't make other people change. So bring your repentance to God. The voice is my own human lust. Yeah. Ah. When did that start? When did the voice of evil start? Garden of Eden. A serpent. The evil one. The Satan. The devil spoke doubt and then straight up lies humanity saw that the tree I do desire that it's good they made an evaluation and they made a decision being tempted is not the sin seeing what is good and desiring that that's really not even but then it says she coveted she took she ate she shared and he was right there with her and shut his passive man mouth when he should have stood up for what is right probably because he's selfish enough to see well let's see if she dies well god made her out of a rib i got more he he can make another one she's the one disobeying not me lightning am i falling i'm grounded we're good i'm gonna stand by this tree honey yeah, you keep going. What's going to happen next? Oh, it's good. She's fine. Listen, give me that. Don't wanna, I don't want to miss out. She grasped. He grasped. They're both wrong. They're both evil. They're both pursuing the desires of their heart. The serpent, he deceived me. And human history has been whining ever since. Blaming everybody else. No. That temptation kills their relationship. That voice, they let it creep in. It killed their, killed their son, Abel. That voice devoured their other son, Cain. It rose up and conquered him. It's that voice in the human heart that called for the flood, that built the Tower of Babel, that has ever done anything evil, 
It's all where? It's, it's Bible reading this week. Jesus says clearly, it's not what you put into your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out of your heart. That's where the evil lies. Not what other people are even speaking in. They're just speaking into you what you're going to then regurgitate and swallow yourself. You're the problem. And you have to own up to that. And death has us. We can't blame anybody but ourselves. So that's really going to come through in the book of Ecclesiastes. We've done that book before. It's brutally honest. Life under the sun is death, hell, and suffering. Oh, by the way, fear God. It's kind of tacked on there at the end. It's just, it's a dark, cynical, uh, pessimistic book. But man, it keep, but it's dealing with gritty real life things. You're going to get old. You're going to die. Alcohol won't make you happy. Women won't make you happy. Sex won't make you happy. Building projects won't make you happy. Education won't make you happy. Business success won't make you happy. It's all going to die. Like, what a downer. Fear God and enjoy your life anyway. Whoa, he says that many times over in Ecclesiastes. Fear God and you know what? Make the best of it. Put on your happy face. Everybody dies. Everything goes wrong. Hearts stop beating. Children go wayward. Health gives up. Businesses end. Praise God, wash your face, go to work the next day or find yourself a job and keep on trucking. Honor the Lord with every day. If you're able to do life, keep doing it. That's pretty encouraging. Ecclesiastes just says, shut up, pull yourself up, go to work. God has got your back. Fear God, keep his commandments. Enjoy what you can enjoy and don't worry about what you can't control. I think Proverbs is just as gritty. <clears throat> he's just a little flat, more flowery. This, remember, this is, I think this is a little earlier in his life. I think he's a little more optimistic. Oh, I got these sons. Maybe one of these sons will be the next king. He's going he's gonna to do better than I am. Look at me. I, I got all this wealth, all this buildings. We've got the temple. We've got the priesthood. How could, they, how could anybody go wrong? Come on, man. Life is good. God has blessed us. Woman, woman, woman. Woman, woman, woman. Ah. And he is led astray. And his sons are led astray. Starts listening to the wrong voice. The wrong voices. When life gets loud, and it will. When life gets loud, and other voices are demanding your attention... The only way you can hear the voice of God is to draw so near to God that He only needs to whisper. But the world is so loud. Draw nearer to God. I can't hear Him. Find a quiet place. Make quiet moments. Pull away from your everyday routine. Shake things up. Give God a new chance to speak into your life, into your heart, into your mind. But I've tried that. How long did you try? What's the longest you actually have fasted? What's the longest you've actually gone on a Bible reading program without failing? 
What's the longest you've read through the Bible without stopping? How, you really want to find God? How hard have you tried? Usually the people who cry out they want the most have tried the least. I know that's true with me. And I've seen it true in a lot of you. We need to find new, old ways to deeply connect with God. I say new because you can be creative and you can come up with new ways. Solomon did not have an app on his phone that would give him a verse of the day or that would track his Bible reading, give him little attaboys every day. You got your streak is 33 days. He didn't have those little encouragements, you know what I mean? So you, there can be some new ways, creative ways, but maybe they're not really new. Maybe they're old, but they're just new to you. That's why the slash is there. Because you haven't tried them. And you haven't done some of the things that Christianity through the centuries has found to be helpful. Those things, by the way, it's not intended to puff up your head and to give you a lot of pride. It's not meant to just be a public display. It's meant to be a way that you deeply connect your heart with God. Not just become more religious, not just become more disciplined, but become more spiritual. And they're going to be different for each of us. You're going to get good at something probably that somebody in your house doesn't draw a whole lot of meaning from. And that's okay. But we try things. We try new things. Spiritual disciplines. It's a good place to go. And God only needs to whisper. Uh, this is the power of daily Bible reading. This is the power of daily meditation. This is the power of fasting. This is the power of sacrificial giving. This is the power of sacrificial service to other people. This is the power in everyday regular church attendance. You force yourself to cut attention away from yourself and you're forcing yourself to put attention on God. And at first it is always a force because you're fighting against your own, I want to sleep. I want to eat. I want to eat a lot. I want to eat a lot of that and nothing else. I want to speak my mind. I want to have my way. I want to tell everybody they're wrong. You're, you're fighting against yourself. Try to go a day without criticizing or complaining or constructively criticizing. Try to go a day speaking less. You want to fast from something? Shut up. Listen to other people. Listen for God speaking through other people. If he can speak through a donkey, whoever you come across, don't take that personally, Roy. There's hope. But you have to be able to listen. You have to take the time to cut attention away from yourself. Find some new and old ways to spiritually, deeply connect with God so, so that His voice echoes inside of your life. And that's another thing. Is your life so cluttered with 
with anxiety and problems and self-focus, that God's voice just kind of is in one room. Uh, it'll sound a lot better if you'll clear out more space, if you'll confess more, repent of more, quit more, lay more of your life down at his feet. His voice will start to reverberate. And that's a good thing. The chorus of God's voice echoing inside of you. His voice shakes mountains. His voice parts waters. Imagine what he can do in your spirit if you let him speak, if you give him a place to speak, you give him the time to listen and the attention that he deserves. Give him more time. Trust in the Lord. Draw near to God. <sighs> Are you hurting? Draw near to God. Are you alone? Draw near to God. Are you anxious about many things? Draw near to God. Are you worried? Draw near to God. Is life good in a good place and you don't want it to change? Draw near to God. Good days, bad days. God is the only one who can pull you through and make sense of it all. Drawing near. What does drawing near do to us? And these are uh, these are ideas from this whole passage, especially verse, uh, verse 20. Let me, read, let me read verse 20 before we get to the last blanks. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Here's some things drawing near does. Drawing near keeps us, keeps us away from evil, keeps us near to God, protects us, protects us from evil and protects us in God, teaches us the things we should do and teaches us the things we should not do and prepares us. Drawing near to God prepares us for when life is good and we don't stray away from God and our wealth and in our comfort. Drawing near to God prepares us for when life is not good and when we are struggling. It prepares us for everything. Prepares us for whatever God wills to happen next. So no matter how loud the voices of the world get, no matter how loud the voice of the devil seems to be, the world my flesh and the devil are very loud. Yet, those who draw near to God can hear his voice. Turn to John chapter 10. Jesus has something to say about that. For our conclusion, John chapter 10. Verse 14, John 10, 14. Jesus says, Stop listening to the sheep, all the bleeding. Stop listening to the wolves, all the howling. 
Jesus says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay my life down for my sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Jesus knows us. His sheep know his voice. They hear him and they follow. Stand with me. Let's pray. You cannot find God if you do not take the time to hear God. Where can you find time this week? Where can you make time this week? What can you try this week? If you need help, talk to somebody who you think is closer to God than you are right now. There are a lot of books. There are a lot of devotionals. There are a lot of people who can help you draw near to God. But you need to take more time to hear His voice. If you feel like you're in a place where you can't hear Him right now or His voice sounds faint, it's you who need to pursue Him. And as you pursue Him, He will gift you himself let's pray heavenly father we come to you right now as a, as a, a prodigal people we have taken many good things you've given us and run the wrong direction and focused on all the wrong things and we don't even know we are with the pigs sometimes we don't even know what we are eating as slop and secondhand and leftovers Help us to see that so we willingly turn away from the filth so that we have a new desire, that our desire would change away from the world and our desire would be towards you. Help us, God, to find creative, new, old ways to draw near to you this week. Teach us to pray. Teach us to focus when we read. Teach us how to think when we read and to journal, to write things down. Help us to understand spiritually deep things. Teach us to fast. Teach us to go without. Teach us to set our, ourselves aside. Teach us to eat less. Teach us to pray more. Teach us to spend more time on our knees. Teach us, God. Have your way with us. We want to hear you. And this week, we will show you how much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and lead
the work on earth is done. Jesus, my chapter 4 I'm going to read verses 5 through 7 let your gentle spirit be known to all men the Lord is near be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus Amen. You are dismissed.